Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on, two for one, no concern for the future, living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Nation, welcome to the show on another Thursday afternoon this week, not our normal Friday, but some show notes if you are looking for some professional wrestling in the next few days. Friday night, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. FGW at Hamilton, Ohio. RVW in North Vernon, Indiana. Prestige Wrestling in Portland, Oregon. And Versus Pro Wrestling running Friday through Sunday in Las Vegas, Nevada. Saturday, you can find me at Northwest Pro in Vaughn, Washington. ECW in Jeffersonville, Indiana at the arena. CHWA in Edwardsville, Illinois. New Era Wrestling in Shelbyville, Indiana. FWF in Warsaw, Indiana. You have EPW in Bedford, Indiana. PWA in Springfield, Illinois. EAPW in East Haven, Connecticut. Black Label Pro in Crown Point, Indiana. Winter Wham in Houston, Texas. ECW in Monticello, Kentucky. TPW in Franklin, Ohio. Ow in Eugene, Oregon. BCW in Waukesha, Wisconsin. IPW in Bristol, Tennessee. SSW in Kingsport, Tennessee. And Frontline Pro Wrestling in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And speaking of that show there in Wisconsin, our guest today will be there. He will also be at the Rock and Wrestling event in Steam Hollow Brewery, located in Mentino, Illinois. I welcome to the show today Koa, the Hawaiian hitman. Koa, thank you so much for being with us here today. Aloha, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. And since it is your first time here with us, I'm going to start you out with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? All right. So the year was 1997. I just graduated high school. I was 17. Um, I graduated early. I skipped sixth grade. So I got out of uh, uh, high school and I went to a an event in Bourbonnais called the Man or the Bourbonnais the Bourbonnais Friendship Festival, and at this festival they were highlighting wrestling and a company um, by the name of the World of Wrestling Association led by Mike Bonomo. Uh, they were putting on an exhibition and they were showing off their talent. And uh, afterwards they said, "Hey, or you know." At this uh, friendship festival, they said, hey, if anybody's interested in learning the art of professional wrestling, stick by afterwards, and I'll talk to you guys. And there's about 20 of us that stuck around afterwards, and he said, okay, I can't take all 20 of you, but I can take five. And what we're going to do is we're going to have you um, uh, do some activities and see if you're physically fit to become a pro wrestler. 
So they had us do push-ups, uh, sit-ups, um, squats, and then we ran the ropes. And uh, I got in there, and I acted like I owned the thing. I started working the crowd. I started working the other wrestlers. You know, I'm a 17-year-old kid that's watched professional wrestling all my life, so this is absolutely my dream. And I cracked Mike Manoma up so many times that he goes, all right, kid, come here. He's like, you made the school. And uh, so I used my graduation money, and uh, I paid for the enrollment, which I, I believe it was around three grand uh, for wrestling school, and then uh, $100 a month um, for the actual school itself. And uh, I was the fastest to graduate from that school, and I got my first match. I want to say it was, it was probably about four or five weeks afterwards. I had my first match, which was um, uh, a three-way tag, um, uh, three-man tag match, so a six-man tag. And um, it was so much fun, and the rest was history. I mean, I, I worked with that company, uh, World Wrestling Association, about four years before I moved to California to finish my degree. And um, I loved it. I, after I finished my degree, I came home, and the company dissolved. So um, I went and looked at a couple other companies, like Windy City Pro Wrestling, uh, ran by Sam Becero. And I did a couple matches for them in Orland Park, but it, my, the fire wasn't there in my heart to do it anymore. Um, you know, Sam's a great promoter, and um, he's got a lot of talent that works for him. But I just didn't, I didn't feel like... It was in my heart to continue to have that grind of, you know, working every single weekend and doing the things um, that I would do to myself. I, I love doing crazy stunts, jumping off balconies. And I don't know if you've seen any of my highlight videos before, but I always try to push the envelope of, um, of entertainment. I want the, I really want the crowd to feel like when they watch one of my matches, they've seen something they've never seen before. So I wasn't, I just really wasn't into saying, okay, this Saturday I'm going to perform and I want to do this, this, and this. It's more like I was showing up and say, okay, let's just get this over with. So I got out of the business and I focused on my career, and uh, which I was always been a personal trainer since 18 years old. And uh, I, my personal training business took off, and it took off so well that I was able to buy my first club in uh, 2016. I bought my first club. That's the club that I'm in right now, uh, Short Fitness. And then the very next year, I bought my second club, which was uh, MPG Fitness and uh, Plainfield. So now I own two health clubs. And um, in this time, I, we, we've been able to expand to bigger buildings. Um, I moved my Short Fitness last year at this time to a larger building. And now currently we're, we're under the, a move to move MPG to Naperville, which uh, it's going to be a huge move because that building is massive. It's going to be a really cool-looking club. Now, being a Hawaiian hitman, I don't know if you've studied a lot of the history of the sport in Hawaii, but it's a very long and very storied history. Hawaii was sort of a stopping point for a lot of wrestlers when they would travel to Japan and back home to either the United States or Canada. There were two major promotions on the islands. Uh, one of them, of course, was the long-running promotion owned by Dwayne Johnson's family that went back many decades. A lot of people got their start in Hawaii and came back to the mainland. People like Tubal uh, Carmichael, Hacksaw Duggan, people like that got started there. So there's a lot of history. Have you delved much into the wrestling history of Hawaii? Uh, so growing up, so I was born in 1979, and I lived in Hawaii until I was 14 years old. Uh, my dad is military, so and my mom is a native. 
So uh, Polynesian Pro Wrestling, that, that's something that I grew up as, attending as a fan. Um, uh, I was never old enough to, to say, okay, I'm going to do this with these guys. I'm going to join this company. That's why I waited until I was 17 to um, actually join a pro wrestling company. But I'm, um, as far as with uh, the Polynesian uh, Pro Wrestling, I, was, I, I attended the events as a fan. And um, those are some of my most memorable moments uh, from uh, my life in Hawaii. And uh, it's one of the things that my grandma passed away during COVID. She didn't die of COVID. She just died of old age at 93 years old. And I wasn't able to go during COVID to, to see her grave. But um, I am making plans right now to be able to return to Hawaii and uh, show my daughter, she's six years old, hey, this is like where your, your mom's side of, uh, where your grandma's side of the family is from. And this is our background here. Because it's something that as she's getting older, she watches the young rock with me. So she uh, she understands like um, you know Hawaii is an island in the middle of the ocean and um, it's not like what we see here and I show her pictures and stuff like that so she's excited to uh, actually get to have that um, those moments in person. Oh, you mentioned how you have been a personal trainer since you were very young. You own health clubs. I'm sure that health and fitness not only for yourself but for the people that attend your clubs is a very important thing for you there's been a lot of uh, problems over the years as far as people trying to do too much too fast as far as getting their body healthy and that's led to actually more problems than what they had initially there's a lot of conditions out there that cause trouble when people try to work out too hard too fast or diet too hard too fast. For someone that's in the health and fitness industry, what advice would you give to the people out there that are looking to maybe get healthier but in a safe and productive way as opposed to something that's going to lead to more long-term problems? That's a great question. It's something that I, I wanted to um, to address during, you know, use this platform to reach out to as many people as I can because right now it's New Year's and you got a lot of people that join health clubs or, or have in their mind that I need to make a change for the better in my health. And uh, a lot of people put on weight during the winter time so they get that winter fluff and they said, okay, I need to knock this off. What's the quickest way I can do that? The quickest way is not always the, the uh, correct way. Uh, what I have always been a, a advocate of is taking someone that is new to the fitness industry, taking them by the hand and showing them a balance of strength training and cardio with flexibility training is going to lead to better overall health, not only in the short term, but also in the long term. Um, I'm not a big believer in doing um, extreme dieting. You know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I, I believe in fasting for two days. Anytime you don't ingest food, you know, our bodies are designed to process food for energy. So anytime that you uh, ingest food and you don't, or I'm sorry, you, you put yourself on a workout program and you're not ingesting food for energy, then what are you doing? You're actually tearing up your muscle. You're, uh, you're pull, your, your body's completely de uh, depleted of glycogen and you're not able to get the workouts that are going to be efficient enough to make a positive change. So I've always been a believer in feeling the body, much like a race car. 
you're not going to take you're not going to take a your your car out and race it and not put fuel in it. So definitely put good fuel inside your body and then uh, test it inside the gym, but test it in a reasonable way. You'll you'll see if you ever watched a lot of my um, my feats of strength videos. I'm a world record holder in the bench press um, at 174 pounds. I was able to push four, 470 pounds in contests. In practice, I've done 505 several times. But in order to do that, to push myself to that limit, it took a decade of getting my body ready for that, getting my joints conditioned for it, getting my muscles ready for that. So a lot of people that – I see it all the time. You know, I'm in health clubs all the time for 12 hours a day. They'll come in there, they'll start loading up the bar, and they'll get stuck under it. Well, they think that by by pushing a maximum number one time is gonna that's going to make or break their workout. Well, that's not, that's not the case at all. What's going to build the muscle is – flooding the muscle full of nutrient-rich blood during the workout and causing it to stretch from within, and that's what's going to cause the uh, the permanent change. Now, obviously, in wrestling, uh, working out in cardio is vital for professional wrestlers. You have to be fit enough to be able to do this at any type of level. Do you see a lot of younger wrestlers sort of gravitate towards you since you do have health clubs and have been a trainer as far as coming for advice on how to better their physiques or how to better their cardio conditioning? Do you get a lot of that from the younger crowd? So as far as workers, um, you'll, if, if you follow my um, my Instagram page and my Facebook page, I actually post a lot of um, – workouts with workers and I put it on my YouTube page. And uh, so you, oh, I have workers. I post a lot of workouts with wrestlers and um, uh, there, there's, there are all sorts of different ones from the, from a, someone who's green to someone like um, I had Robert Ego Anthony in here training with me. He's one of my first videos that I do. He comes in every Saturday and hits arms with me and um, uh, we train together. Um, I just had Joe Alonzo join, um, join me been for the last two weeks in a row. Uh, training with me, and then I'll have a lot of people from um, like PAL, um, Jimmy Blaze's company, that come out, as well as Southland Championship Wrestling, which is that that's the promotion that I'm uh, I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, I just started working with Rocket Pro Wrestling and uh, love them, and so I'm I'm looking forward to training a lot of the guys in there. But um, my gym is a sanctuary for any pro wrestler that wants to come in. I don't charge a membership for pro wrestlers. They come in here, you have a good time, you work with me, and um, uh, our goal is to get better. Um, the The biggest thing with pro wrestling is finding, like, my best matches are with opponents that were in amazing shape, and, and the reason we produce such a great match is because we're able to have the stamina. Not only that, but we're able to have the explosive ability to do these moves together. You know, pro wrestling is a dance. And you, you're you're going to have your your best dances are done with a strong dance partner. So the the more that we can work together outside of the ring, I believe, like hitting the weights together, you know, getting to know each other, um, I believe that's going to create the best matches. I I believe one day I'll be able to have a match. Hopefully, and it's this year, uh, with every single person that I come in, that comes in here and, and trains with me, I'll be able to put together a great match with each one of them that we're both going to be proud proud of and uh, display on our social media sites. One of the things in professional wrestling that has been 
sort of a hot topic in the last few years because of the advancements in medical silence and knowing more about what can happen is the use of blood in professional wrestling. A lot of people are of the belief that there should be no blood in professional wrestling any more than absolutely necessary because of bloodborne pathogens and things that can happen as far as that goes. There are people that see no problem having blood in every show, sometimes every match. Others want to use it sparingly but see no reason to banish it for a lack of a better term unless you know, there's no blood test or something like that to keep people safe. Where do you stand as it relates to blood within professional wrestling? That's a really good question. And um, it's nothing that it's something that I don't really give a lot of thought to. Have I gigged in a match before? Absolutely. And I would happily do it again, as long as it's a, it, it works for the story. You see every single match that we have, and this is the way I look at it, and I think other people should look at it too. It's like um, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he's getting ready for a movie. you know. And let's say he's doing the Black Adam movie. Uh, would it make sense for Black Adam to fight Superman and maybe this, this part of the fight was so intense that it caused him to bleed? And would it elicit the type of response from the audience that you are looking to elicit? Or are you just bleeding to bleed? You know, so everything that, that should be done in a match, is we're telling a story. And um, everything that's done should make sense. If it doesn't make sense, then what the hell are you doing? There's no reason to gig, um, especially with, uh, when, it, when it comes to the different bloodborne pathogens and stuff like that. So I was looking at a couple of different um, uh, contracts with AEW, and uh, they require blood tests. They require, like, they they require everything to make sure that the wrestlers are safe and they, everybody they're working with is safe. So, um, which I think is a great idea, but you're not going to see that on the independent, uh, format at all. I mean, I don't think I've ever even been asked for a physical. I ha- I do take a physical every year. It's a part to, to keep on my own health insurance. It's something I have to do, but on the independent scene, um, I don't, I, I just, I can't see promoters going out and asking if you've had a, a blood test or not. I mean, I, I have no problem doing it. I can't. I, I just don't. I don't see all the workers actually taking the time out to do it. To be fair, here in the Pacific Northwest, both Oregon and Washington require it uh, when you get licensed. So, depending on your state commission, sometimes licenses will require the blood work. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, it's nothing I've ever been approached with here, but I'm I'm completely willing to participate in that. Uh, you've been around long enough to understand that promoters will put a ring wherever they can put a ring if they think that a crowd will come and pay them money to see the show. That means wrestling venues have varied greatly over the years, and you've seen everything from city hall buildings to rodeo barns to churches to high school gyms to civic centers and every conceivable place in between used to hold a wrestling show. In your time, 
what would you say has been the best venue in which you've wrestled? Oh, hands down, Country Thunder 1999. World Wrestling Association put on a um, uh, show at Country Thunder in Wisconsin. So we wrestled in – there was a quarter million tickets sold to that concert. We wrestled in front of at least 30,000 people. I climbed the 22-foot scaffolding in that um, that venue and jumped off of it. And I happily did it because it was the largest, largest crowd I've ever worked in front of, so I wanted to pull off a stunt that people were going to you know, talk about for a long time. Uh, that that was not only the loudest pop I've ever heard in my life, but that's what like secured my addiction. That was like the hit that I needed to say that this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. Similar vein on the flip side of that, what's been the strangest venue where you've had to wrestle? Gee. Um, when I first got into pro wrestling at 17, um, we, I, there's a, there was a worker by a wrestler by the name of Hardcore Huffman. It's Nick Huffman. He's a comedian. He actually passed away the, uh, last year. Um, he had me do a, a, a show with him and it was like, in a it was like in a farmer's house for lunatic wrestling federation in like 1998, I want to say. And uh, that was probably the weirdest one I've ever done. I've done flea markets before, but those always pull a good crowd, especially like the Lucha market. Um, you, you get some pretty good pops from those those crowds. Um, yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, working at a farm. Yeah. And we probably maybe only had 30 people that showed up to it. I know nobody, nobody got paid for the show, so I don't even know if they even drew a gate. I think they, everybody just did it because they wanted to see a hardcore um, wrestling match and get it on film. Now, another thing I'm sure you're very aware of is the physical ring can vary quite a bit in pro wrestling as well. Some rings are very well maintained and they keep the wrestlers as safe as can be. Other rings are not well-maintained or poorly built and can add to injuries just because of the way they're kept and not being especially safe for the wrestlers to perform. What would you say has been the best physical ring in which you've wrestled? That's a good question. Um, so I recently wrestled for Rocket Pro Wrestling out of Joliet. I love that ring. It's a former WWE, uh, WWF ring, and um, it's bigger, too. And I think it's an 18-footer. I like that ring. It's stiff, but I like stiff because the stiff rings have a loud pop when you hit them. Um, so I, I did like performing in that ring, and I really like the ropes on that one, too. They're easy to walk on. Um, best bumping ring, like my favorite one to bump on is probably Pal, uh, Jimmy Blaze's company. Um, I like I like bumping in his rings. I, I tend to I tend to do a lot of the um, high impact spots inside of um, his rings. And uh, Southland Championship Wrestling probably is the best overall ring as as far as bumping quality and sound it produces. Uh, it's also really easy to, to set up. I try to, I try to, even though I've been doing this forever, I try to sh- show up early and set up 
And uh, just, you know, I, I, that's, for me, it's like a good way to catch up with the guys, like show up early and you got a lot of the green people who get to talk to them, see how they're progressing and, you know, just just show them that I'm not better than anybody else. I'm one of you guys. And uh, I enjoy showing up and setting up a ring and taking it down. One of the big things in professional wrestling over the last 10 to 15 years or so has been social media. It really has kept the independents going and in a lot of cases thriving. Both wrestlers and wrestling promotions really can't thrive without it in this day and age. A lot of promotions and a lot of wrestlers struggle with using social media correctly. Some use it very well to their advantage and have made a lot of money off of being able to use it properly. From what you observe, do you think a lot of wrestlers and a lot of wrestling companies truly grasp how to use social media to their advantage? Or do you think that a lot of times it's almost to the detriment of them to have social media? I don't think it's ever in the detriment. I mean, it's it's a free way to advertise. When I, when I first spoke in this business, it was word of mouth, it was emails and flyers. I used to go to the mall and flyer the mall and, you know, just go to any place. Like my, I, I, I went to a junior college in Kankakee, Kankakee Community College. I used to go out there and flyer the whole area and um, just to draw a crowd. Now you can like, you set up your post and everybody, every single person that hits like on the post, you know they're at least interested in it. So send them a direct message and said, hey, thanks for your, I've seen that you like my post. Um, thanks for supporting my dream of pro wrestling. It's really awesome. If you can ever make it out to an event, let, let me know and send them your schedule. It's really easy, and that's how you can get people to um, start tuning in. And, and maybe they don't even interact with you the first time that you send that message. And then you send, you put up some more highlight clips, and they're like, man, this guy's actually pretty good. He's really passionate about this, and that's when they start interacting. My goal for every show is to sell 50 tickets myself, and um, uh, it depends on, like, what region I'm in. And I try to always post two to three times every single day. I, I post something about wrestling. And since doing that, my Instagram following has gone up to just under 30,000 people. And um, I have interactions. It showed on my professional dashboard, it showed I had 47,000 new accounts were reached in the last 30 days. So 47,000 new people have seen my Instagram page. And uh, I'm starting to pick up people. So what I tend to do is I look at a lot of the live podcasts that are live, and I just make comments on there. I try to be as funny as I, I can to where other other wrestlers and other fans will say, well, let me take a look at this guy's site. What, what's this guy about? And they see my page. And a lot of my reels, are they're hitting like 14,000 views. So they're getting, they're getting a lot of play. So once that happens and you start going to events and they're like, hey, I showed up to this event just to watch you. I'm like, holy crap. So then I take that. I'm honored. I get them a T-shirt, put it on, and I take a picture with them, and I post them on my site. And, and um I try to make it known that every time someone comes that I've never interacted with before in my life, except for on social media, that I want to meet you. I want to get you a shirt. I want to take a picture with you and uh, let's become friends. And my goal, so I got back into this business in August of last year. So I've been out of the business for a while. And um, uh, my goal is at the, the completion of one year is to average, on average, sell 100 tickets to every single show. 
That's a great goal to have. Absolutely. I admire that. Now, going to new places sometimes can be tough for a professional wrestler because they get there and they don't know for certain if the crowd's going to respond how they're accustomed to having a crowd respond to them. Uh, They're unfamiliar. It's what the crowd enjoys or dislikes, things of that nature. So there's always a little bit of tentativeness going to a new place for a wrestler. When you go into a new place, you say you have the uh, Instagram and things like that, and you interact, but what are you looking for when you go to a new place as far as trying to be sure you're going to be as successful as you can? I do the same thing, and I'm doing it tomorrow, is I've got 500 business cards, and I will go, after I set up the ring, I'll go outside where everybody's starting to line up, and I'll hand out my business cards, and then I'll ask people to follow me on Instagram, and I'm excited to perform from tonight. I get out there, and I'm going to get I'm gonna get a response because people have already met me, and um, they've already checked out my Instagram page, and so they kind of know what I'm about, and then I hit them with a high spot. <laughs> That's how you win them over. You try, you try to, uh, try to. I, here's my feeling. Like a lot of people say, hey, you know, you're you're 43 years old. Why are you still like jumping off the balconies and stuff? I said because the fans know that they're the money they spent to be entertained. Um, I give a shit about, and I'm going to entertain them. So do I need to do that stuff? No, but I I tell you right now, when you're flying through the air and then you hit that opponent and you crack that table. You know, or you, you, you're running across the ring and you jump full speed out of it. That is an incredible adrenaline rush. So, I, yeah, a lot of people call me a high spot junkie, and I'm okay with that. But I still try to tell the story. I still I do the ground and pound. I do a lot of moves that I should be doing, but I want to hit them with a high spot every now and then. A lot of wrestlers on their wrestling bucket list that they want to accomplish in their careers include wrestling in all 50 states. It's something that a lot of people dream about and hope for for their career. A lot of people get fairly close with it. Is hitting all the states something that you ever considered or gave thought to for your own career, or were you happy staying in a more centralized area? Um, it's, it's nothing I really thought of. I mean, there, I've got a couple bucket list things that I want to like, I want to piggyback, um, a lot of my friends that are doing this right now is I'd like to do Mexico city. Um, I'd like to do Australia. I'd like to do Japan. Um, but as far as hitting all 50 States, it's, I mean, it'd be great if it happened, but it's nothing that I'm a hundred percent like, uh, certain will ever happen. But you never know. I, I honestly thought I was going to come back in August and do a couple matches in memory of my friend Nick Huffman who passed away. And, um, I, you know, one thing led to another, and now I'm hooked again. And uh, I don't know if you saw my post yesterday. Actually, it's, the number's gone up. I have 46 more shows that I've um, dedicated myself to. And I just got off the phone with the Rocket Pro Wrestling, and I'm going to sh- uh, sign a 10-show deal with them. As well as Frontline tomorrow, I'm going to walk in there and they want me for the next 10 shows as long as tomorrow goes well. So that you're talking 
I'll be wrestling Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and most Sundays. So I'm going to have a full-time schedule, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a long grind, but it's something that uh, I'm very excited because I'm going to really get to see the fan base increase. And uh, who knows? Maybe in the future I'll have my own promotion. You never know. But the only way to get to that, that and that's not my goal. That's, I'm just saying if if this continues to grow at this rate, you never know what happens. Um, I I could be setting the trend for how to manage a social media market. This is all new to me. I run my gyms completely off of social media. I spend no money on advertising. And I was able to grow uh, my membership base completely through social media. So maybe I can learn how to create a format of this is what you should do. And um, and maybe I'll learn through the ways maybe what you shouldn't do. So, so far it's been all wonderful, though. Social media has been great. And uh, I've made a lot of new friends, new wrestling fans because of it. And I... I, I leave nobody unread. <laughs> I'll, I'll sit down with you one day and uh, I'll, I'll show you all the messages I get. I, I, I wake up in the first thing in the morning. I'm, I wake up to like 40 plus messages from fans and I do cardio first thing in the morning. So when I'm doing cardio, I sit there and I respond to everybody. Now, like we said earlier, you were originally from Hawaii and spent several years there. It's, a state that does have independent professional wrestling, but the shows are sort of sporadic at this point. They run every few months. Have you ever attempted to or gave thought of going back to Hawaii and wrestling just so you could say you wrestled in your native home state? Absolutely. I've never given thought to it, but I do want to do that. Absolutely. If, if I have a bucket list state that I want to accomplish, I want to go home and I want to wrestle there. You know what would be really cool too, because it's like I'm going there anyways to go see my family. So if I go see my family, who never they only get to watch me wrestle on YouTube, if I get to go out there and I get to perform in front of them live, oh, that's a dream come true right there. I will pass along a name or two that might help you out there. Outstanding. Oh, a lot of times. When guys wrap up the in-ring career, they gravitate towards other roles within the business so they can maintain being part of the business even if their bodies are telling them they can't be in the ring anymore or something happens where they physically just can't anymore. Uh, We see guys drift into roles of trainer, promoter, manager, referee, any number of jobs still out there. You mentioned there's a possibility at some point maybe you would open your own company, but have you given thought of ways you could keep within the wrestling business, maybe whether it's five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road without having to be in the ring? I I think it would, it would encompass uh, several things. I love training people. Um, and not only training them to to have healthier lifestyle habits, but in in the ring it would be awesome. To run a promotion, I'm going to need tutelage from from mentors until I could ever ever do that because I don't. I you look at you look at everything from the outside looking in, and there's so many moving parts to a show, and uh, you don't realize what you're getting into until you actually got into it. So I would have to probably. Um, 
get a mentor in that and follow a promoter and help him and, and just and be straightforward and say, hey, I'm kind of interested in one day being a promoter, and uh, here's my thoughts, and can I, can I shadow you? Can I help you with this promotion? And um, I, I feel that would probably be the best way to do it. Now, as a manager, man, I've never thought about that. I've always been a worker, but I, I, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Like, I, I could see myself, because I'm kind of known as the trainer, where I take a group of, like, five wrestlers under my belt and train them inside the gym and kind of do that Mickey, like, Rocky-style training, and then I'd manage that faction. You know, I'd have, like, five guys that, you know, our version of the Shield where we all train together and I mentor them. You know, that'd be kind of a cool role, a cool story to tell. One of the roles in wrestling that doesn't get emphasized as much anymore is the manager. A generation or two ago, you saw at the national level several managers at every national company, and they were usually there longer terms, and they would manage a lot of the stars that would be in the company. Nowadays, the national companies don't have a lot of managers out there. Uh, AEW has a few more than the last several national-based companies. But as a whole with the role of manager, do you think we'll see a day where that role at the national level comes back to prominence, or do you think it's something that has passed by at this point? So I watch a lot of WWE. I'm a huge mark for it. And um, I love Paul Heyman, what he does. And I think we're, we're seeing what Brock Lesnar is without Paul Heyman. You shouldn't give Brock Lesnar the mic to speak. His, his promo with Bobby Lashley a couple, was that two Mondays ago, was probably the worst I've ever seen. And I can't believe that even got airtime. The, uh, Paul Heyman is the man to look at as far as managers. Now, um, back in the day, my favorite was Bobby Heenan. I just thought he was so clever. Everything he did was so clever. He used to get a lot of heat um, in the locker room, I know. Um, I just didn't, I didn't understand that because the guy, he's so witty and he's so, he can, he can bring a lot of emotions out of a crowd just by looking at him, you know, just by gesturing towards him. Um, Harvey Whippleman. I always enjoyed him too. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, he was, he was a fun one to watch as well. Sensational Sherry. Loved watching her work. But as far as managers now, gosh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it could help out. I mean, a lot of uh, wrestlers are growing up with promo classes now, and they're they're you know, they got social media now, so they're able to create reels and do little things where they could uh, do more character development outside of the ring. Yeah, I mean, I think a manager is a great thing. I have a manager, Kaylee Marie, uh, pretty reckless. She's my manager. Um, she's recovering from a knee surgery right now, so she'll be back in action next, not this, uh, not tomorrow. She'll be with me at the event, but I don't want her working the event. The um, uh, She's still walking with a crutch, but she, next Saturday she'll be at the Steam Hollow Brewery show, and that's her first time back in the ring in a long time, so she's super excited. She's really good. She knows how to she, – she gets the crowd super amped. That and she's smoking hot, so that helps out too. Right. I mentioned Bobby Heenan's heat. He, 
he at one point in Chicago had a fan so angry that the fan actually took a shot with a gun at Bobby. Luckily missed everybody. Uh, at least everybody in the ring, I believe he caused permanent hearing loss to a fan that was unfortunately sat next to him. But Damn. in your career, have you ever experienced a situation where the fans were so riled up that they actually put the physical safety of the wrestlers in danger just because of how angry they were and how much they were willing to do to get at the person they did not like. Yes, 100%. And I got a story immediately that comes to mind. I was wrestling a wrestler who was fantastic. His name is the Great American Youth. He used to come out in pink and gold and face mask everything. So the Great American Youth, and which spells gay. That's the acronym for gay. So he's a homosexual wrestler. And he'd come out there so flamboyant and just get the crowd so heated. They used to hate him. And uh, during one of our matches, um, he had cheated to get the upper on me. So it's, uh, he got rid of my shine, and it's time for him to put the heat on me. And uh, he used to do this spot where he would take his um, uh, wrist wraps, and he'd take the tape off and then choke me with it. And, uh, and what he would do is – so we had this spot where he took a lot of it off, and he choked me with it. Then he would tie a knot and leave it there. So it's, and he'd, he'd go to the wrestler like, hey, I ain't got nothing in my hands, but it's literally like still choking me the whole time because it's tied around my neck. So one of the fans ran in the ring and tackled him. And then I got up. I ripped, I ripped the, the, um, the gimmick off my neck, and I saw this, and I picked that fan up, and I picked him up over my head and threw him out of the ring. And uh, the great American youth is actually my little brother, Lance. That's uh, <laughs> so he and I used to wrestle all the time together because we grew up beating the shit out of each other for real. And uh, yeah, he was he was a fantastic wrestler. I uh, he he actually seen my comeback. Like I'm coming back, and I'm like, man, you got to get back in the ring and start doing this again because he was absolutely phenomenal. On the flip side of that, every wrestler has those moments where there's an interaction with a fan that really means a lot to the wrestler, maybe even more than it does the fan, whether it's a fan buying a piece of merchandise for the first time or if it's someone asking for an autograph for the first time or just a touching moment between wrestler and fan. Do you have one of those moments that stick out in your mind as being the most special moment you've had with a fan? Yeah, the the one that comes to mind right now, uh, I was wrestling for Power Entertainment. I was going up against Kazal for the Powell Midwest Championship, and this was, I believe it was November. It was in November, and we were at Fox Lake, and one of my uh, fans, um, her son Henry was my biggest fan. He absolutely loved me, and um, he passed away and uh, suddenly in the sleep of a heart attack. And so we, we made a big, we got a, a big three foot poster of him, of just his head. And I, uh, I told the story of, Hey, listen, guys, this is Henry and here's his parents, Jill and Sean. And, um, and he's my biggest fan. And then everybody, they, they start climbing and said, I, the reason I'm saying this is now he just passed. He recently passed away, sucked the air out of the entire arena. And I said, but I believe he's here with us right now. So if we can, please, let's start a Henry chat and let's, let's let Henry know that we love him 
and that we appreciate him and that we know he's here. And so they started chanting Henry and it was just blew up. Well, one of the Kazile Powell fans started talking mad smack and it, it caused the crowd to riot. And they started some big fight in the crowd. And I just looked at Kazile across the ring and I go, dude, fucking crazy heat. And he, he nods yes and I said, like lava. This shit is burning down. <laughs> we ended up at right, right after that. We, I, we had a, a tremendous match, and the end of the match, uh, you know, Gonzalo just got the title, so they didn't want to strip him of the title immediately. Even though I, I literally had the entire crowd like in the palm of my hands, so uh, I came up with the uh, the ending of it as I I jumped through the ceiling. It had a low ceiling to hit my frog splash. So as I jumped through the ceiling, I knock out the uh, ceiling tile. And I split my head open on the crossbar on it, which knocked me unconscious. So I hit the ground, and because um, I was laying on the ground, the ref sees this and uh, calls the match. You know, it's like no contest. The dude's out. Like he just he just went went through the roof. And uh, so now we're gonna have to have a rematch soon, and that's gonna be. Uh, we need to find a bigger venue because we sold that place out big time. It was standing room only. I had I had 36 people from my gym travel uh, an hour and a half to watch that fight. Hopefully the rematch sees you not knock yourself out on the ceiling. If the story calls for it, I'm going to have to do it, though. <laughs> that, that's a fair point. Yeah. Now you mentioned the referee call the match. A lot of times people in and out of the business will take for granted the role of the referee, a lot of times people think that just anybody can put on a striped shirt and be a referee, no problem at all, no training necessary. The people that really know the role know that they can make a bad match better and make it tolerable. They know how to keep people safe. They're instrumental in getting the match in and out when it needs to be in and out. There's a lot more to it than just putting on a shirt and you instantly know everything. Who are some of the better referees out there that may not get the credit they deserve that you found to be very good in your career? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Brian Allen. He's a power referee. Actually, he wrestles for, or I'm sorry, he wrestles for a bunch of companies. Um, he's the son of Trevor Blanchard. And um, he is going to go next level soon. I can put money on it. Like the kid's getting looked at. Uh, he's fantastic. He's got a great look, and he's he's wonderful in the ring. He he knows what to do. His timing's perfect. Um, his facial expressions are perfect. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, uh, one of my favorite ones to work with is uh, Turtle, and uh, Turtle is very popular here in Illinois. He works for almost every single one of the uh, federations, and um, he is so much fun to work with. And uh, Every match that I've worked with him, I always try to inadvertently take him out. And, and, and the reason is it's, it's the story. That's the story that we're coming up with between the two. And uh, another one, is a guy goes by the name of – it's David Irons. His uh, nickname is Flat Top, and he's fantastic. He's in his 50s, and he just loves being a part of every single show, especially if you put him in fun spots. He, uh, I, I did a match with the Cobra, and um, I had Cobra on the ground, and I had – uh, David go to check on him and and ask him if he's okay and I ended up jumping over and leapfrogging David and then uh, Cobra put his feet up and I took his boots to the face right in front of him and I did the tri- triple H thing where I was stunned. 
for like 30 seconds just standing there. And uh, <laughs> David was commenting to me nonstop. He's like, are you okay? Can you count how many fingers I have up? He just, just constantly cracking jokes with me the whole time, but I never broke character. I just sat there like I was uh, Daisy the entire time. And, um, and Cobra picked me up for a suplex and on the um, basketball floor and, uh, we ended up doing a double count out that that match. I had I had dislocated my knee on a um, I, I set the stairs up. I pulled the stairs out, slammed them face down on the stairs, walked up the stairs, jumped up for a leg drop, and when I hit the ground, I had slipped on there was, there was um, condensation from when uh, one of the fans drink spilled. I'd slipped and popped my knee out of place, and then I I got back up. I had to pop it back in place. So I was like, ah, oh, let's just do a double count out. We've we've given enough today. I don't want to don't want to give more than uh, my knees. Well, we have hit the point of the show where we have a few minutes left, but I want to make sure you have ample time. If there's anything at all you want to say to the listeners today, go ahead and say that. Plug and promote anything and everything you've got, social medias, upcoming shows, the gyms, your favorite laundromat, anything at all. Floor is all yours. All right, so for the listeners out there, and, uh, you know, you're going to, with these podcasts, you're going to have a lot of listeners that are workers or wrestlers, or they're interested so much in the business that they maybe kind of want to jump into the business. Uh, All I have to say is if you're interested at all, don't wait. You can become a part of the show very easily, even if it's just saying, hey, listen, I'm going to, can I watch uh, one of the uh, wrestling practices, uh, can I see how the schools ran? By just doing that, you're stepping into the world of wrestling, and you might love it. And I'll tell you right now, for, for me, um, starting at 17 years old, it's been nothing but wonderful to me. And it's so much fun. I, there's nowhere else I'd rather be on a Friday or Saturday night than um, – creating stories that are going to last forever. I mean, this is information I'm going to be able to show my grandkids, you know, in the future, you know, when they come over, I got to babysit the grandkids and be like, Hey, you guys want to see when your grandpa was cool? You know, that for me, anytime someone, I plug the SEW school of wrestling all the time, because uh, honestly, it's one of the best schools I've ever seen. The, the uh, facility and moments is clean. It's huge. They've got a weight room in there. They've got a huge ring. He's uh, Hunter's looking at getting a second ring now, and uh, it is absolutely incredible. So everybody that I um, I meet, I get in contact, I always send them out there. And I know it's always going to be a good first impression. And if you if you do join a school like that, they're going to get you involved with shows immediately. It, whether it be you can um, work security, you can help us set up the ring. But no matter what, you're going to be a part of the show. And then it's going to lead into bigger and better roles. My boy Johnny, who joined us about four or five months ago, um, he had his first interaction in our last show, and now he's having his first match uh, next Saturday. So I'm super proud of him. I've been posting a lot about his match coming up. This kid is talented. He goes by Johnny Chaos. He um, is a state champion um, uh, 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 amateur wrestler um, from JCA. And he is incredibly athletic and just has such a love for the business. We have, I created a, um, a secondary um, Facebook messenger group that's just, it's stated, let's talk wrestling. That's all it is. And we literally talk nonstop with some, some of the wrestlers that we've met um, about wrestling. And I tell people all the time, I say, if you can't handle the fact that we talk about this stuff 24-7, just mute it or just remove yourself from the group. 
but we uh, we have fun on it. And then it, it gets cool because when I see him in practices, I see him completely evolving, and now he's got his first matchup. It's like it's a proud moment for me because I helped this kid get his dream started. Like without me posting on social media, uh, he might not have ever gotten started. Cool. Koa, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. We definitely appreciate it, and I want to wish you the best of luck tomorrow and the following Saturday as you make your way to your next matches. Hopefully, no ceiling incidents. No promises, because I really like the reaction that the crowd had on that one. It was really cool because after after the match, the crowd stuck around, and Jimmy had to go. He goes, hey, the crowd, they're not leaving until they know you're okay. I'm like, are you for real? This is amazing. So I, I went out there, signed autographs, took pictures with people, and um, it was it was really cool to see that they actually cared enough to be like, hey, listen, you know, that didn't look like it was supposed to happen. That looked like it really hurt. Uh, we just want to make sure you're okay. I'm like, man, that is, that's really, really cool. So, And that's another reason you should get into pro wrestling because these fans, man, they make it all worth it. Um, I have a, a lot of my clients that I train. I have, I have three pro baseball players that I'm training right now at my gym and a former um, uh, pro baseball player who is now a manager with the Atlanta Braves. And uh, he's a huge wrestling fan. And these guys, they're like, man, what, like, when are you going to stop doing this? You're getting up there in age. And I'm like, yeah, I, that's true. My age is going up, but my performances are getting better. So why would I – I haven't even peaked yet, so why would I ever quit? Well, because it's not safe. But yeah, but neither is driving down the street. You know, there's 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 risk we take every single day. I think the risks I take in the, the wrestling ring are controlled risks, and they're risks that I am willing to take. Absolutely. I definitely feel that one for sure. Well, Koa, thank you so much for being on with us. It was an absolute pleasure, and hopefully we'll get the chance to do this again down the road. I am always available for you. I had a lot of fun, and I'm uh, excited uh, about starting with uh, my career with Frontline Pro tomorrow. It's going to be a fun five-hour drive, but it's going to be worth it. I'll, I'll do some car karaoke. Got some new songs I want to sing. There we go. Looking forward to that. And if you've not gotten familiar with Koa, the Hawaiian hitman, go remedy that. Look him up on the YouTube. Great, great talent. I think you'll be very impressed. Check him out. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. We have the crew from the podcast from the chair with Nathan and Annette on board with us. Great new podcast out of a couple of really enthusiastic people. We're looking forward to having them. Then a week from tomorrow, on Friday, we will have Brad Zane out of Russell Club in Idaho with us. Looking forward to having Brad Zane back on the show. We want to wish our new co-host, Chris Markswell. He is under the weather today, which is why he did not make it. But hopefully he will be back to 100% back on the air next week. So make sure you tune in to make sure he's back with us. We will talk to you soon. Everybody stay safe out there.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.